Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to the Dodger Dudes Show with former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and his Sandlot buddy Josh the Duker Luke. The Dodger Dudes talk Dodger baseball, Sandlot stories from their youth, and share what it's going to take for the Blue Crew to win the World Series. Don't forget to answer our weekly poll question and fan poll on Twitter and Facebook. The Dodger Dudes Show is part of the Believe Sports Network online at BLEAV.com. The Dodger Dudes believe in the Dodgers. Do you believe? Welcome back to the Dodger Dudes podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host, Josh Luke, with Brett Tomko. Brett, how's it going today, bud? Good, man. Good. Hey, my big brother's on the show today, man. I'm excited to talk a little baseball with my big brother. I actually have an undivided uh, undivided attention with Matt. You get so many phone calls, it's going to be nice to get him for 40 minutes. So, Matt. So, uh, wait, we, so, the, so the intro should be really good. Yeah, like, that's right. No? So, Matt, we <laughs> usually start the show with, uh, with Brett putting us on the mound for those of us that didn't get to leave the, live the dream of playing in the big leagues. Can you put us in the batter's box? Your first game as a Los Angeles Dodger. Tell us where it was, when it was, who, how it happened. Tell us about that, bud. Welcome to the show. No, hey, great to be here, guys. I've been listening to your, your, uh, your cast, and it's, it's, uh, it's been awesome, informative, and, and uh, a huge Dodger fan. Um, privilege to be on so thanks for having me yeah hey my first Dodger game 1998 I made the team uh, out, of, out of spring and uh, we headed to St. Louis and um, uh, I was a bench player trying to work my way in like a lot of guys do and they make their first major league roster and and uh, it was the ninth inning we were down by uh, two runs in St. Louis and I got called to pinch hit to lead off the inning and um Actually, Brett, you'll appreciate this. I, I, I got a jam shot single, huh. like easy line drive up the middle. Love those. Uh, Love those. Yeah. <laughs> Pitcher did his job. He, he beat me a little bit, but I, I muscled it um, over the infield. And, and um, really cool that the um, next guy up hit a home run. We tied the game in the ninth on, on opening day on the road. Uh, That's great. So, yeah, it was it – was, uh, it was a it was a good first at bat, and so uh, I had to play defense then too. So it was actually kind of a, a good thing. So I got my first AB and my first defensive uh, inning um, in the ninth inning uh, that same game. And, and uh, St. Louis battled with a little uh, little rally. They got it going with a single, I think. Got them to second base, and I think there were two outs and. Just a hard ground ball hit through the three, four hole to me playing right field. And I come up and throwing, hit, hit just a perfect, you know, not too often I do that, but one hopper right, <laughs> right to Mike Piazza. And we nailed the guy at the plate. So it was, it was pretty exciting first moment for me. I won't tell you that McGuire, uh, or maybe I will, McGuire hit a home <laughs> run in the next inning. To, uh, Number two to on the off. year, I think, if I recall. That, 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 doesn't, that doesn't matter. Oh, it was rampage. Let me let me ask you a question. Um, you know, I think every every major league player has that one moment, and I know I have mine. I can tell mine, but that one moment where it's like that aha moment when you're in the big leagues. Mine didn't come to like my third start in the big leagues. Um, but what was your one moment where you you had to step back for a second, and go, "Whoa!" Like I'm an I'm I'm a major league baseball player. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I I think it happened um, maybe about a month after that when. I'm, you know, you, you break into the majors and you're, you're kind of getting your feet wet and you're having some ups and downs. And, uh, 
And then after you have a few games where you have some success, you, you really start gaining confidence to have that moment. And I think I, I, I had that moment. Um, I mean, we're all confident being there. We're trying to hold that up. But, but uh, actually the second time we were in St. Louis later in the year, we came back and I was, I was sitting there off of um, Todd Stottlemyre was thrown for them and, and it was an ESPN game. And, and I, I'd hit, uh, two home runs and, and a single. It was three for three. I was just sitting there going, "What? I can do this. I I've been you know, aspiring and working for a lot of years to get here." And and at that point, Brett, I'd been doing it for over a couple months, and I'd been grinding a little bit and having some success. And and um, I think I put a few games back to back together, and I was just like, "You know what? I I can do this." And and uh, you know, it was, it was a good yeah. moment for me. That does, that gives me chills. Cause I, I mean, whenever I talked to guys and was like, did, did you have that one moment? Cause my moment was, it was about my third or fourth game and we're facing San Diego and growing up a California kid, you know, we went to a lot of angel games, Dodger games, but San Diego, we came down here a little bit and the third batter of the game, Tony Gwynn walks up <clears throat> and I'm on the mound and I look down and I'm like, that is Tony Gwynn. Like how <laughs> crazy is that? I'm facing, t- and I'm, this is the, this is the dialogue in my head. I'm like, I'm facing Tony Gwynn right now. How cool! That's this is crazy. I had to step. I had to step off the rubber, look down, and kind of take a couple deep breaths. Like, all right, pull yourself together. You have got a job to do. You got a job to do. You got to go out here. And same thing. I had had. I had just won my first game, so it was like I was a little bit more confident. But that was the moment where I was like, dude, I'm a big leaguer. Like this is crazy. And when you're facing Tony Gwynn, you're like, hey, I know he's going to get a hit. He's the greatest of all time, so there's no pressure here. (laughs) That's funny, too, because the day before, I was asking some of the veteran guys, I'm like, how do I face Tony Gwynn? He's, like, arguably the best hitter of all time, him and Ted Williams. And they, like, throw it down the middle. And I was like, (laughs) all right, no, no, no. It was Pete Harnish and Dave Burba. And I was like, no, I'm not going to throw the ball right down the middle to Tony Gwynn. No, no, seriously, throw it right down the middle. He's such a good hitter, and he has people pitching around him all the time it'll surprise him. So I'm like, you guys are just trying to get me to get like, give up hits and runs. I get it. You want me sent back down in the minor leagues. Rookie initiation. Right. So (laughs) I get in the first at bat, I go ball one, ball two. And I'm like, I'm going to throw it right down the middle. What do I have to lose? (laughs) I throw it down the middle, roll over ground ball to second base. I I look in the dugout and they all have their hands up, shaking their head. Like, yeah, see (laughs) what we told you. Second at bat, ball one, ball two. I'm like, cause I'm trying to paint. Um, Ah, I'll throw it right down the middle. Pop up to shortstop. I faced Tony Gwynn. I threw it right down the middle every single time <laughs> wow. for the rest of my career. <laughs> Only on the That's Dodger awesome. dudes do you get that kind of intel on the mound. Who needs Brent, who needs right? all these advanced reports, right? You just need a couple guys saying throw it down the middle. So so hey Matt, I'm gonna ask I'm gonna ask you a tough question here. Um, that's what brothers are for, right? So I actually I'm gonna put on the Dodger dudes Facebook page and Twitter page a picture that I made for Matt after he retired, <laughs> where it's a baseball card of every pitcher he hit a home run against. And Brett, you're not on there, you know. Oh that, yeah, right? yeah. yeah. You didn't make that well, poster. Let, that's one you don't want to. I was gonna right? ask Matt if he remembers the moment in Dodger Stadium he faced the Reds in like a young fire. We'll get to that one. We'll get to that one. So I'm gonna post this poster. Okay, and it was July 19th of 1998 when Matt hit a two-run home run off of Todd Stottlemyre on the top of the fourth to put the Dodgers up. Let's see, it says it right here, 5-4. to four, And uh, No, that was the final score, 5-4. to four, And then a one-run, a solo jack again later. Here's the tough question for Matt. 
Uh, did you agree with the coach when he took you out of the game for a pinch hitter <laughs> because of the lefty-righty thing? Or did you think – no, I'm being honest, though. Did you, did you earn the right – look, it was the playbook. That's what the Dodgers did. That's what they – but, but did Matt earn the right – and Brett, I'll ask you that. Did Matt earn the right three for four or three for three with two home runs and a double to, to get one more at bat, even if it was lefty on lefty? I'll have you both answer that question. Go ahead, Matt. Uh, Take it. <laughs> sure. You know what? I, I, I think especially as a rookie player, you're, you're, you don't have a large sample size. So you're trying to prove yourself every day. And most of these major league managers have, uh, you know, experienced, they've been there, they know what they're doing. So your goal is to win games. Um, you know, when, when that move happened, uh, was I disappointed? Sure. I want to be in there. You know, as a competitor, you want to be the guy. You want to be competing, and you want it. You believe you can. You can win any battle. You have to have that mindset in the big leagues. And so, yeah, I was disappointed, but you know what? It it, it wasn't anything that I held on to at all. Um, you know, the matchup was they brought in a lefty, a nasty lefty, to face me. So I, you know, disappointed. Yeah, but do I understand it? Sure. And you know, it, it's it's what you do as a player. You, I, I don't think good teams question their managers. And uh, that day I was disappointed, but I didn't question the move. So, Brett, let me ask you more specifically, you know, not, not so specific to Matt. If a guy is three for three and um, now they're bringing in a lefty to throw against them in the eighth or the ninth, um, at what point does the – man, this guy is locked in you know, literally the best hitter in baseball for the last three hours. Uh, at what point does that outweigh lefty-righty? Does it or does it not? I mean, Matt answered that pretty fairly. Like, no, look, that's say, just how it works. I think he hit it right on the head, and that's, <clears throat> that's where I was going to go with it. The fact that Matt was so young and such a, you know, you know, it's his first year in the big leagues. Yeah. So it's like, was it, yeah, so it's like, you're, of course, a, a, a veteran man, especially an older manager, is going to go to their go to their horses, go to the go to the, the specialist right hander that's up there to pinch hit against lefties. And it's not to say that Matt wasn't on fire or this guy that's three for four and is not going to get the job done. But a lot of the times, you're playing the percentages. You're playing the percentages and what the book goes by. And the book says you put in the right hander because it's easy. The right hander, sure. you know, historically can hit a left hander easier. The and book I, is a I, lot thinner back then. <laughs> yeah, right? It's, it's very thick right now. We can get into that with a playoff roster. So, hey, before we get into Dodger playoff roster, uh, Matt, Matt was drafted by the Yankees in 1996, was a Yankee farmhand, had a cup of coffee with the Yankees in 96 before the Dodgers picked him up. Many of you might not know that Matt and Derek Jeter were teammates for several years. In fact, roommates a couple times, Arizona Fall League. Matt, give us uh, – put you on the spot. Give us your best Derek Jeter story, whether on or off the field. I know – you and he were great friends for a few years, and he's just a guy with a lot of humor and a lot of a good heart, a good guy. And, and I was blessed to get to hang out with him a few times with you. But but give the listeners something they w wouldn't know sure. about Derek, a fun story. Sure, I got a great one. But let, let me just um, uh, remind everybody that 1996, the year I had the cup of coffee, that was the year the Yankees did win the World Series. So, <laughs> Woo -woo. Did, you get, did you get a ring for that? You know what? I, I didn't. And, oh. um, I'm I'm still, still a little text the mailbox no, say, every sorry. day. Sorry, I'll 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 shoot you a picture of mine from 2009 for just having a few months with them. That well, makes. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm yeah, just. Yeah, I'd like to see it actually. <laughs> but um, <laughs> no, hey, I got a great Jeter story. Um, we did spend a lot of time together in the minor leagues, and he shared with me something that was really valuable, and I actually share it with other people today. Is he he told me that his dad taught him when he was young that 
on the, 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 the third, fourth, and fifth starter days. He says, you got to get up. You got to be ready. You got to get your work in. You got to get your hits in. You got to make sure those at bats matter and that they count. Because when, when, when number one and number two step step uh, onto the mound, uh, it's you know you're you're likely not going to go four for four. You're likely not going to get um, have all the success that you normally do. And and really, what it taught me was that every day matters in professional baseball and life. Every day matters. Every day counts. And those those days that maybe weren't on ESPN or, you know, on minor league fields somewhere with with uh, bad grass and no crowds, they they were preparing him mentally for every the next day and, and every day. And I think that's why he achieved so much excellence. He was just committed to to getting up every single day. And Brett, as you know, that's hard to do. Yeah, I think that's amazing advice and I think when you even look at like playoffs and stuff like that I think that's why I think that's why Bellinger struggled um you know the one year where he got shut down because you go through a season and you're facing those fourth and fifth guy even the third guy sometimes you're facing you got you you're going to get hits off those guys you know that's where you got to get the hits but then like you go into the playoffs you're facing the one and two starter you know for the seven games or you know, four of the five games in a short series. So you're facing the best guys and it's easy. Those guys can shut down anybody, the best hitters in the game, but yeah, to go and get the, to go and get those, those hits, because you know, the difference in getting like four hits a month raises your average a ton. That go you go from being a 260 hitter to a 280 hitter. And that's the difference exactly. in, in being a starter and, and getting sent back down to triple a sometimes. So let me tee this up for you guys. And then I want to go ahead, Matt. You had something to say? No, I just think, you know what, it taught me that every single at-bat matters. And it taught me an approach to preparation to where I want to strive for excellence every at-bat, every game, every day. And the players that, that really master that are the ones that, that hit 300, are the ones that have this success over a long period of time. And, and you know, I, I never got to that level, but I certainly um, – integrated that that mindset uh, as much as I could in, into my game I saw that I saw that in St. Louis with Albert Pujols and I, I tell this to people all the time when they say what was Albert like and why did it made what made him so great and I can remember a game where we were blowing this team out by like 12 runs and he was four for four and he's going up for his fifth at bat and you can see in his eyes he didn't he didn't give that uh, bat away. He was sitting in the dugout preparing like he always does, tracking the pitcher. He wanted to go 5 for 5. And it's those are the those those are the superstars, the guys that can figure that out early and don't waste those opportunities and don't wait those waste those bats like you, that like you're saying, those are what makes superstars superstars. So Brett and totally I uh, Brett and I have come to agree that our best uh, podcasts are when we get off topic. So I'm going to get off topic here for a sec. Hey, you guys both played with Jim Edmonds, Matt in the uh, Angel system in 1999, Brett with the Cardinals. And I've heard both of you say he's one of the most gifted people you've ever played with. Matt, you told me that physically. Brett, I heard you talk about it mentally, just sitting in the dugout, learning pitcher traits. Tell us what, what's special about Jim Edmonds. I'd love to hear from each of you guys. I just thought it was interesting that you both mentioned that name off the bat. Dude, you're like a human baseball almanac, I swear. <laughs> just pulling <laughs> stuff out years. and that, Matt, I'll let you take that um, since you're our guest. Sure. 
I, I got a chance to play with Jim in 1999 with the Angels. And what, what really amazed me about him is he, he was just loose. He was always loose. His, 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 his run, his swing, his throw, he, he just had this uh, just ability and gift. Uh, he had many tools on, on the baseball field, but it just it seemed easy for him. And, and we know it's not easy, but um, I was always just amazed that this guy just – he kind of floats – you know, floats around the field with ease where, you know, most of us are grinding with every step to get where we need to go. But uh, I always admired that about him, that he, he just, he got his work in and uh, man, he had a fluid swing that was just loose and quick. And uh, yeah, he was solid, solid all-star player. Yeah. Jimmy, Jimmy to me, like exactly what Matt said, he was always loose. I mean, he was, he had he had swag before there was swag. Like he he had a presence he had a presence about him that like he was confident. He 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 knew he knew what he was capable of doing, and you know he walked around with his chest puffed out a little bit. And it wasn't in a like a you know too cocky of a way. It was just he was he was he knew he was going to get it done. But you know a lot of a lot of people gave him slack about you know pulling up on balls and take and taking it slow so he can make this amazing play. Whether he did that or not, I saw more amazing plays out of him that balls hit in the gap or over the fence where you like from the off the bat, you're like, oh, man, that's a double or that's a triple. And Jimmy would come out of nowhere and make an unbelievable play. And we talked about it earlier about picking up pitches, you know, one of the best two that I've ever seen. And as a hitter, that confidence and, and coolness that Matt was talking about, I heard him say on many occasions, I'm going to let this guy get ahead of me on purpose because he's going to throw me a breaking ball. And I'm going to hit a home run. And he did exactly that. He, I mean, that's how confident in his game was and knew what he was capable of doing where he could just turn around and do it. Well, uh, guys, I want to tell you as your high school teammate, now you know what it was like to be us playing with you guys in high school <laughs> to play with Jimmy Edmonds, right? So, right? so that's cool. Thanks for sharing that. But that little tidbit there was awesome. I never heard that. So, hey, let's talk a little Dodger baseball. Wait, let's, so, uh, hey, let's, before we get to that, let's have a little fun with Matt since yeah, we're off topic a little it. bit, okay? <laughs> we, we've, been, we've been trying to play some games uh, with our guests, and, and you're our second guest. And um, what we're going to call this is, is, is it hot and on fire or is it just lukewarm? You know, Matt Luke, okay. Josh Luke, is it lukewarm? So I'm going to give you, you know, a few topics. You tell me, ah, I'm just lukewarm on that, or, oh, I like that. That's, that's, that's on fire right there. So the first one is okay. players' weekend uniforms, the black and white. Uh, you know what? Lukewarm. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I, there's been a lot, of, a lot of pushback from a lot of people that didn't like them. I actually like the nickname, but the uniforms themselves, Brett, were uh, were were just too monochromatic for me. I, I you know I, I turned flip the channel and I'm like, who are we watching? Um, you know, you, it's really right. hard to tell who the team was. You know, I didn't think of that. Like not knowing, like especially the highlights. Highlights come on and like it, they everyone looked the same. I didn't even think about that. And then you got to look down in the corner and see who it was. It's, it's actually a good point. All right, number two for you. Um, you know, is this on fire or lukewarm? The uh, that Rai, uh, Ryu will win the Cy Young still. You know what? Um, I'm on fire for that. Uh, I I think you know he's obviously gotten gotten uh, hit around a little bit the last couple outings, um, but I've been a huge Ryu fan for several years. I loved our 
our playoff chances in the last couple of years, as a third starter, we would win almost every one of his starts. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. So he's worked hard to climb up that, that food chain. I'm on fire for Ryu. He's, um, I'm a believer in him, and, you know, he's, he's – Yeah, he's if, he right. fi- if, he, if he figures out how to, how, to, how to battle back for this little slide, his numbers are still right there with everyone in the, in, in the major leagues. So, I mean, he's still got a chance, but he's got to turn it around right now real quick. All right, number t- uh, number three, um, launch angle. Is it a fad? Is it is it something new, or has it always been around? You know what? I, I'm kind of lukewarm on launch angle, but but <laughs> you know I'm also open minded to to different hitters having success doing different things. I don't think what I don't like about launch angle is that everyone teaches it. Um, and I don't think that's a healthy thing. You have to look at a player, find out what their gifts are. Some guys have long arms, long levers. Some guys have short arms and the shorter levers. And, and you know, I was taught, you know, stay down through the ball, hit it with backspin, uh, don't hit easy pop flies, and, uh, you know, an easy out is a fly ball. So don't keep you the think ball it, down. Don't, don't you think it's always been around? It's just there's never been a measure for it. Like, you have a guy that's like, oh, I'm going to get under the ball a little bit more, try to hit the ball in the air. I mean, launch angle's really always been around, but there's such an emphasis on it now because it's become a thing. And I think it's – I almost think it's got it out of hand. It's like a crutch to be like, oh, you got to get launch angle. Well, no, just stay through the ball and drive it and, you know, try to elevate yeah. it a little bit. It's, it's always been there. I just don't understand why it's just become such – maybe it's just because home runs are up and people are trying to figure out why, and they're like, oh, it's because of launch angle. Well, you know, the game, the game shifted in that direction. I, I'm a traditionalist. I, like you said, when you get in the playoffs, you're facing number one and number two starters. You're going to most likely have to bunt during that game to manufacture a run. That, that doesn't happen anymore. It doesn't. And, it, and it, as, a, as a fan of the game, as a student of the game, I'm sitting there knowing that you're facing a guy that's dealing. You know, this is going to be a three-to-two or two-to-one style game. You – you have you get a runner to second base with nobody out. You have to get him to third base. But nobody, nobody, pre- you you know, you know when you get to BP, you're up and you you get your you your first time up, right? You're like, oh, I'm gonna throw down a couple little bunts and then I'm gonna go start working the hit. No one actually works on it where there's a little bit of juice on the ball. You can't. I don't think Bellinger and Turner are saying, hey, can we get the the pitching machine out here, put a little pace on it, I'm going to work on putting a bunt down third base. It just – it's not done. And when guys get in that situation, they're just not used to doing it. They're not. And, and it, it's – you hit it on the head. They're not seasoned come playoff time because they haven't been practicing it. When you and I went through the, the system, I mean, you were a pitcher. You were bunting a lot. But, but we were bunting every day, even as position player. Right. And – I needed to drop a couple points down in, in key situations in playoff uh, in playoff series. So uh, I've seen the benefit. I miss it, but you know I also understand that uh, we got some bangers on our team that can that can drive the long ball too. Okay, next question on fire or lukewarm? The baseballs are juiced. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Uh, big conversation. Uh, big topic right now around Major League Baseball. Yeah, I think most pitchers are going to say on fire that that's true, <laughs> and most hitters are going to say lukewarm that, that may not be. <laughs> They're so juiced right now. There's, yeah. I don't know, I don't know if it was something. I I doubt it was something like mandated by Major League Baseball. Like, hey, let's let's tighten up the leather, let's make the leather thinner, or something like that. But something's going on, and I, I I've tried to read a whole bunch of research on this, and 
you know, is it, you know, is it the baseballs? Is it, you know, the velocities are up? Is it any of that? Or, you know, is it guys are just stronger? But I mean, they're going to crush the home run record for, for all time. And there's a reason. I don't know if it's the balls. I'm saying there's some, I've seen guys flip balls the other way that have gone like 50 feet out of the ballpark, which I'm like, there's no way that guy can do that. Yeah. No, I, you know what? You, you, you could be right. You know, we don't know, I guess is the answer, but, but uh, I'll take the middle of the road on that one. And um, <laughs> can't take the middle of the road. <laughs> so, uh, so then you're that you, exactly. You're lukewarm on it. I'm lukewarm on it, but back to your, you know, I don't think it's just launch angle. Like we previously discussed It's you know, guys have been trying to launch balls for a long time. So there's, there's some other factors going on. I do think that equipment you know, is getting better. Guys are getting stronger, but you know, guys have been strong for for a lot of years, and and you know, dimensions of fields haven't changed. Uh, a lot of the factors are still the same. So it is, it does raise an eyebrow this year. Right, right. All right, last one, um, and then we'll get back to the the playoff rosters. Uh, the Dodger renovations, the hundred million dollars they're going to spend uh, to spruce up um, on fire, on fire. I am. I am pumped, and and I actually haven't haven't even seen the renditions yet. I hear they're out, um, but I am. A, I mean, I, I'm a traditionalist. If the Dodgers can keep to the true nature of of Chavez Ravine and what's always been there, and add some uh, modern conveniences, it, it's needed. It will excite fans, and I think it'll be a great to have the real estate and they have the space to do it. And um, what I've been most impressed with is is uh, this management team the Dodgers management is just fabulous they are committed to the community they're committed to greatness and they are across the board doing um, a number of things to to make this a great team and a great town and uh, make us relevant again and and it's most excited I've been in a lot of years seeing what they're doing I've seen the renditions a little bit they're taking the outfield pavilion they're expanding that backwards <clears throat> to put a bunch of stuff there and they're making, they're making accessible to walk all the way around the stadium. Like right now you can't go out to the pavilion. It's, it's yeah. separate, but they're connecting all that. So you'll be fully immersed in all of Dodger stadium, which is really cool. But speaking of, speaking of being in the community, Matt, I know you do a lot of work um, still with the Dodgers going out and doing stuff. So, I mean, that's a big part. I do a lot of stuff still down with the Padres cause I'm, I'm local here, but it's a great way for us to stay in touch with, with the Dodger fans, with the, you know, you, the city of LA, me, San Diego, and, and try to get the word out for teams. And I think you're right. The Dodgers have done a great job. Hey Matt, tell us, tell us about one of the events you've done. You told me a few weeks ago, you were doing sometimes two a week. Tell us one that just stands out to you and makes you go, man, I'm really proud to be a part of this Los Angeles Dodger organization. You know what? There are two things. They're committed to education and, and teaching, you know, the importance of, of just reading uh, the, the, the thing that's going to help these kids catapult to, to get into college and get through high school with just strong numbers. That's number one, seeing the impact that they're making in the lives of the kids. And then I'd say, secondly, they're, they've opened up over 50 Dodger Dreamfields, built, um, located property, built Dreamfields um, in and around all over Los Angeles in communities that didn't have the money to do that. And so they're changing um, – they're changing the lifestyle and opportunities for these kids to go play organized baseball, have great fields to do it, um, and main, you know, maintaining them with the city of Los Angeles. It's 
I mean, they're all over LA, the Dodger dream fields. It's, it's a huge thing. And, and um, again, the Dodgers have an amazing team of individuals, talented people that are intentional and, and excited to, to change community and to make a difference involved. And it's, it's been awesome to be a part of. That's, that's, that's so really cool. cool. Yeah. Good stuff. Well, Hey, so let's talk playoff roster. We're in the last week of August when we take this show, we got one month to figure this out. Brett just uh, did the did some homework and found out that last year in the first round, the short series, the Dodger car- Dodgers carried uh, 12 pitchers, and then when they got to uh, the longer rounds, they carried 13. So I'm going to throw my playoff roster at you guys, specifically the offensive guys. I think that's a fun or easier game right now because the pitchers, it's more of a numbers game. So if, if we go, I want, I want to see who's left off and who's not when you get to that magic number 13 and 14. So we're going to assume for a second that Verdugo's healthy, although we're hearing that that's probably 50-50 at this point by playoff time. So our, our lineup went for most of the year when, when everybody's healthy. Went uh, Peterson, well, assuming there's right hand thrown, Peterson, Verdugo, JT, Belly, Muncie, and now Pollock's back, so throw him in the six hole, uh, Seeger and Smith. And, of course, I think those last four guys, you can mix, that, you can mix the whole batting order up, right? But the, the point is those are the eight guys. Okay, and now you need uh, a ninth uh, catcher. So you got Russell Martin, so that's nine. And now let's flip it around. There's a lefty on the mound. So you have either Kike or CT, Chris Taylor. We're up to 11 players now. And when we talked to, um, to um, <laughs> on our last show with our last guest, when we asked him about it, he said Chris Taylor's on the roster for sure, no doubt about it, uh, and Jerry Harrison, and also um, David Freeze, of course, World Series hero. And he's been a great Dodger, so now we're up to 12. We haven't even gotten to yet uh, the guys they picked up in the offseason. Jed Giorco, excuse me if I butchered that name. Chris Negron, who's been a phenomenal Dodger. And and Brett said, hey, played with the guy, awesome character guy. But the guy I worry about not being there, guys, is, is Mr. Ninth Inning Hero, Matt Beatty. And at this point, I have, I have if, if Verdugo's healthy, Beatty's that last guy that doesn't make the team of all the guys I just mentioned. Tell me uh, if Verdugo's hurt. I think the argument is a little easier, but tell me your thoughts on that. Uh, Jerko is a World Series experienced guy as well. Um, so tell me your thoughts on that. Are those the right guys for the roster, or is there something I'm missing? You know what? It, it, it it's an, it's really um, to me it, it's an easy decision. You go with experience in the playoffs. Yep. And Chris Taylor and Kike have both performed. They've both been there. Um, the The interesting thing that I think, Josh, you're pointing out is the Dodgers are solid with their starters as left-handed hitters, but because they have so many that are our starters, they're, they're not reserved. Um, so you're carrying a bench that's mostly right-handed. But, but, you know, playoffs are about – Inches, little things, one one stolen base, one anticipation. And Taylor and Kike are proven to be solid and successful in those situations. And there's a hunger factor that we, we haven't done this twice. We are going to, you know, I, I want this. So those two guys will be there unless, you know, in my estimation, unless there's something unforeseen injury-wise. Um, the... It does raise for a for an interesting uh, question of uh, if there's one more spot, who gets it? Uh, I don't know about Beatty. I don't, I don't think there's room for him, but I certainly like him. Uh, and Brett, 
if they do carry 13 position players in that first round, I think doesn't that make room for him for the NLDS? Yeah, if 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 they if they carry 13, um, even Betty's if Verdugo, yeah, even if Verdugo is healthy, Beatty's on. Um, you know, from my sources with the Dodgers, Verdugo's maybe still. Uh, I don't know, Matt. Have you did you ever have a oblique tear or anything like that? I did. It's a nope. solid. I mean, if if you're back in three weeks, you're doing good. Right. Um, and it's, yeah. I, I had one, it took me six weeks. So, and as yeah. a hitter, I mean, that pitcher, depending on what side it's on and what type of hitter you want, I mean, he's a left-handed hitter. So that on your, if it's on your left side, that pull side, I mean, who knows? I think he's a coin flip if, you may, if he gets back. But yeah, if there's 13, I mean, mine would be the, the same top 10 with Taylor included. Then you got Verdugo, you got Freeze, and you got Beatty. Um, I think like Rios and White, um, and Gurko, I, I don't think they make it. I don't think they have enough sample size to be able to know exactly what they're, you know, what they're going to do in the playoffs where, and I think Matt, going back to what you said, I think you hit it right on the head experience, you know, Hernandez and Taylor, if you look at their numbers right now, you know, they're not, they're not, a, they're not Verdugo's numbers, but when it comes down to that, they've been there, they've hit monster home runs made big hits in big playoff games and that's that's an intangible that you you can't reproduce somewhere else or just have they have that they've been there they've been to the big game and the big show and I think those are the guys plus like when we talk to Jerry Harrison they're versatile they can play anywhere the, the Beatty can play outfield and first base so I think that puts him in the mix a little bit more than than somebody else but Hernandez and 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 those guys, they, they have experience, and I think they have to be on the team no matter what. So what about um, – I'm pretty sure the Dodgers are allowed to keep – I don't even know if Major League Baseball puts a cap on this, but my thought would be, hey, Jorko and, and Negron should be in the dugout, right? I mean, they don't have to be on the oh, roster no, to be in the dugout. Well, no, you can, you can keep uh, – <clears throat> 2001, I didn't make the playoff roster with uh, Seattle, but I traveled with the team. I was there rooting it on. Anybody that comes up in September, they can ask them to stay or they can send them home. Um, uh, so, I mean, yeah, the, it, and that's a big thing with two it, is Lux going to come up um, for the playoffs. And st- or, I mean, uh, for September, that, that's still iffy there. Yeah, so you, you yeah. throw him into the mix, not that he's going to get playing time, but from what I've heard, they may bring him up and not activate him and do kind of what they did with uh, Smith and um, – Barnes last year where Smith kind of came up and he learned the system and, and Lux could do the Cause my thing is if Lux came up and he happened to play and go off, there's another guy you throw in the mix of like, Hey, this yeah. guy tore it up in the minor leagues. And all of a sudden he hit, you know, eight home runs in September, which I was playing all these scenarios in my mind, which we'd even, you know, muddy down the whole thing as it is <laughs> right, because right. there's not much room, but so maybe it's good. They say, Hey, you're just going to come check it out and, and be a Dodger and, and see how it goes. I'm a big believer in, in bringing kids along for the ride just to get that experience because the routine, I think, oftentimes is as intimidating or more intimidating than actually stepping into the box, which you're familiar with. So, um, hey, Matt, um, in the last few minutes here, um, let's ask you a couple more questions about the playoff roster. Um, it's looking more and more like Rich Hill is not going to uh, be able to pitch in the postseason. Um, Stripling's numbers may or may not justify him getting on. If it came down to uh, having to pick between uh, Dustin May 
uh, Ross Stripling and Tony Gonsolin. I know you you don't watch as many games as uh, as possible, and there's a reason for that. The area he lives in is still trying to get Spectrum over there, so Matt actually <laughs> watches his phone a lot. But um, which one do you have the best gut feeling about for the playoffs and why of those three, if it's just one? Uh, May, Stripling, and, and Gonsolin. Gonsolin, yeah. You know, they're what? all good, but if you had they're, to pick They're one. all good. Stripping brings a little bit of experience again that, that the other two, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm not sure actually about May. So you're, you're asking the wrong guy because <laughs> a, a lot of, uh, with me not watching as many games um, this year, uh, more, more digitally, um, I like to not only, it's not only about balls and strikes, it's about mound presence. It's about, um, how do, how does a guy do in the clutch when second and third uh, runners in scoring position? Those those types of things. Stripling's the guy that's been there, um, but the other two guys have had some good hot streaks. Uh, so uh, I think what what I love about games is is and managers is, is there's going to be one or two guys uh, or surprises that that uh, the Doc's probably going to pull out and say, hey, short series. NLDS, um, I like this guy in this situation. So um, while Stripling might be the experience, one of those other guys might bring uh, an energy or um, a chemistry in the bullpen, in the locker room that, that, that really gels, that everybody really likes. And, and you know, Brett, how important chemistry is in, in, in the group. Oh, for sure. I mean – you know, chemistry goes a long way. And it's always that one thing, is it, is it a tangible thing? Is it is chemistry real? And it, of course it's real. If you have the right guys in there, they make other players better. Um, I said this before, the Trevor Hoffmans, the Barry Larkins, those guys, they made people better. They had a presence um, and, and it's contagious. So yeah, having good chemistry in the clubhouse is something great. For me, if you were going to ask me that question, um, Josh, I think um, Stripling's well, you know I'm gonna. <laughs> no, I know. I think Stripling's there. I think he's there no matter what. As long as he's healthy, and it goes back to we're talking about the position players, the Hernandez and the Taylor, he's got experience. He's and I there. think he's been there. He's been in big situations, big games, pitched in a World Series, and you can't, you can't buy that anywhere. So to have a right. guy like Gonsolin and May, you know, to throw them in the – not that they can't get it done or not that they won't get it done, but – like I always say, you got to play the percentages. So counterpoint, World Series roster time, Dodgers-Yankees, Gonsolin just threw five innings, one run, <laughs> give you a chance to – I'm just kidding. But no, but, but, I, but I, think, I, I think he factors in when they expand to maybe go into the World Series or the NLCS when it, maybe they go to 13 pitchers. Then I think Gonsolin has a chance. To me, it's you know Kirsch and Bueller and Ryu, Maeda – Hill's, Hill's a question mark. I think a lot – I know he's been throwing. I know he looks like he's throwing pain-free. Flexor tendon strains, they're, they are not easy. They're, there's so much stuff going around, you know, the, the ligament, that it's a hard thing. It takes one throw, one torque on a breaking ball to strain that thing again. So I'm still on the fence whether he's going to make it. I know they're saying he's going to make it, but I'm, I'm still iffy on that. You got Urias, you got Baez, you got Kelly, you got Jansen. Um, I'm going to butcher his name. Kolarek? Is, is, is it Kolarek? Yeah, close enough. Yeah, close enough. He's going to be I – mean, he's been throwing lights out. So, um, 
you know, the guy that's on the bubbles, Garcia, maybe. I don't know if he's going to be there, but he's been putting up good numbers. There's a lot of things that can happen, but, you know, you're, uh, you're going to go with the guys that have some experience. You may mix in a Gonsolin if they get farther and they can expand out a little bit because you, you assume they're going to put Maeda in the bullpen, maybe. It all depends. They might need that fifth starter. Who knows? And he was great out of the bullpen last he was, year. He was, he was dominant. I thought they might do that during the season, throw him in the bullpen when, when the bullpen was struggling and just figure out the four and five starter. But, you know, I, I, think, he's, I think he's for sure headed to the bullpen. So, and, and, guys, I think Rich Hill um, is, is huge in the playoffs. I mean, he's, in the years past, he has is, is put up zeros. He's eaten up innings. He's got put the Dodgers in positions to win time after time again. And he's got a great demeanor. He's not phased by pressure. So, and especially in a seven-game series, if we're missing Hill this year, I think it puts an interesting um, twist um, on the Dodgers staff to really figure out, you know, figure out that rotation. You would think that Maeda might step up into that fourth spot, but I don't know. Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's still a month left, so that's still a lot of time to rehab and, and get to where you want to be. But I just – I worry about the, you know, the injury itself and what it is and how just fragile the elbow can be and how, how just tedious, you know, throwing and right. one bad to And the fact that he, I mean, you've seen him flip that leg around. I mean, and he throws, I forgot what the percentage is, it's like 80% breaking balls. I mean, that's a lot of torque on that elbow. I wouldn't be so much yeah. worried if he was a, you know, a straight fastball pitcher that was coming after people. But putting that much torque, I think, I think he's one pitch away from like straining a little, a little bit. And to be honest, if you get to the if you get to the playoffs and expand out, you want your guys one hundred percent healthy, ready to go. Yeah. And if they're not, I don't know if a, you know, seventy percent Rich Hill is, you know, going to be as good as a hundred percent of somebody else. Well, and that's a roster spot you can't right. get back if he goes out there and on the third pitch says, "I just can't do it." We talked about that in Major League Baseball. You're you're twenty five. You're twenty five for that series. But we'll keep our fingers crossed that that the from what I know and from the people that I've talked to and text that his rehab's going good. He's he's throwing. He's throwing. Doesn't look like he has any pain. Says he doesn't have any pain. So, you know, that is all, you know, good things and good signs. So let's just hope that keeps going that way because I think Matt's right. He's done so well in the playoffs that it would it would kill them not to have him. Love Rich Hill. And he was so dominant last year. So, Matt, I'm going to wrap up my part of the show, if you've done anything else, with a story that you've told me, but I want you to share with the listeners. And actually, this show has brought it all together, come full circle, because we talked about bunting as a theme. But when the three of us were in high school at El Dorado, two of the most popular movies in that day was uh, Bull Durham and Major League. <laughs> and Matt actually had a moment where he was playing for the Durham Bulls uh, the last couple of years of his career when he was rehabbing, working his way back where he was in the playoffs, one of his former minor league coaches heard Matt was looking for some work and said, hey, come play for me in Durham, AAA World Series or whatever it is. And uh, Matt had the opportunity to go up to the plate uh, in a, uh, a situation where they needed a base runner. Matt, you want to take it from there and tell us that story? <laughs> well, I don't, I'm not sure too many people are, are interested in this, uh, one of my minor league highlights. But um, <laughs> Hey, we but cover everything it, it, on this show. <laughs> For sure. but, you know, it is it, it is a cool story. It, it involves a lot of um, what's going on today. Uh, we were playing in Buffalo. We're in, just in the finals uh, of uh, the International League playoffs. 
and um, I was struggling a little bit. I was just couldn't find my groove. We were facing three nasty lefties, and you know, being a left-handed hitter, I was just I was battling every at bat, and they had a shift on me. And so the entire infield was pulling, you know, moved over to have me play me to pull. And there's two outs and a runner on third base. Hey, that might be the first shift yeah. on record in history. <laughs> I was, just, I was, I was yeah, thinking that. I was, I was waiting to say it. Yeah. So I'm sitting there going, I'm struggling. This guy's, you know, it's, it's, it's one to zero in like the sixth inning. And we're losing. And uh, they got a shift on me. And this pitcher just lights out right now. We got a guy, our first guy to third base with two outs. And there's nobody playing third base, essentially. So I, I stepped in the box and I told myself, I'm just going to pray that he throws inside fastball on the first pitch. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, you know, basically put it down the third baseline. And everything lined up. He threw the right pitch. Um, I, I got the ball in the right position. Uh, you know, I wasn't the fastest guy in the world. I could run a little bit for my okay, size. Wait, let me interrupt this story. Everybody close your eyes and visualize Major League. Last few minutes. What was the guy's <laughs> name? Jake. Running down the baseline with every ounce of energy he had. Okay, Matt, continue the story now. Well, <laughs> you know, it, it had rained a little bit. You got, you got dirt clawed. It wasn't a fast run to first base for sure. It was very reminiscent of that, that, that picture. Uh, but – I mean, essentially, we tied the game. We ended up winning the game two to one, I think. And it actually was a turning point. What I love about the story, it was a turning point in a series for me personally. It, it, it kind of just ignited me to I hit some home runs. I got some hits, some RBIs. I did some things after that. And it's funny how in the game of baseball, sometimes one little thing um, that's maybe not your specialty or you're even expecting happens. And it, it, it just gets you fired up to kind of find your line. Right. It's a Josh. It's just like we were talking earlier. Um, mindset, you know, we've talked about on, on previous podcasts, you get in that right mindset and that goes a long way. I mean, it can carry you through weeks, months, seasons, you know, careers. If you get in that right yeah. mindset and you start believing in yourself and say, Hey, I'm going to approach it this way. I'm going to go after this. So right. I don't want to end that story without the very last part and the best part. When Matt got back to his locker last, that night, there was, a, uh, there was a sign hanging in the locker. And for those of you Major League, the movie fans, Matt, what did that sign say? Remember? I was hoping that hey, you're getting called up to the big leagues. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't it. <laughs> You know, I, I honestly, I, I don't remember what the sign said. It was Jake. What's the guy's name from Major League? They had covered his nameplate up and put Jake, whatever, uh, oh, from, yeah. from Major League. Awesome. Taylor, Jake Taylor. Jake Taylor. There, there, there it is. That's <laughs> <laughs> name name plaque, uh, placard was missing from his locker that night. That was always one of my favorite stories. So, hey, Brett, do you have anything else for Matt before we sign off? This I, is another fun. I do. We got stuff. we got a, we got a little segment we're gonna we're gonna start implementing. We didn't prep you on this. Um, we're gonna call it Strike Three. You're out. Strike three, you're out. So what I want you to do is you can strike out anything you want in the world of baseball. Could be little league, travel ball, major league, anything you want. You got a chance. This is your time to say, I want this out of baseball. Designate wow, strike three, anything. Uh, you know what? It's a good one. I know. It is a good one. It, it is a good one. How about um, the shift? We talked about the shift. Where are you, where are you at on that one? 
I like the shift. I, you know what? If, if you want to, if you want to shift, go, go ahead and do it. And, and smart hitters will will figure out a way to beat it. I think you were uh, trying to take credit for Bellinger bunting once in a while, weren't you? Is that what that was with that AAA story? I queued you up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, Belly does that a couple times a year and just takes a free hit out of it. Three or four years ago, I would have said no home field advantage in the All-Star game. I thought that was a bad idea from the beginning. Um, so I'm glad that they struck that out. So what about we, netting? we could let you use that what one. What about netting all the way around the field, guys? I'd like to ask both of you about that. Uh, by this time next year, I think it's going to be foul pole to foul pole. I mean, what do you guys think about that? We haven't talked about that, Brett. I'm all for it. Um, I, I see no – the most expensive – tickets in the game are right behind home plate and there's a net in front of it um so if you can keep the fans safe i'm all about it what do you think uh, Matt, if you're going to really catch a ball? i think i know i've seen too many people get hit over the years on and off the field and it's it's tragic and if there's ways to prevent that and and uh, to make sure that that doesn't happen then then put the net up and and um i remember some of that in korea and japan too that a lot more netting was around some of those stadiums to protect people. And, and I think that it's a smart choice. This is an educational show now. I never knew that as well. That's cool. Hey, Matt, for folks who want to keep up with you on, on your real estate sales, I know you just started a new company. Where is there a website or somewhere they can find you? <laughs> You're going to give me a plug. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, you know what? Hey, I, I got a, uh, just a great group of people and we're passionate about helping people. Um, buy and sell residential real estate and manage properties. So we do a lot of that. Um, company is Major League Properties and it's MajorLeagueSoCal.com. And, and um, yeah, if I can help in any way. Thanks so much for taking time out of your busy day to join the Dodger dudes. Uh, thanks for supporting our show. I know I've seen you out there on social media saying tune into these guys. And uh, we're going to have you on again uh, someday if you can continue to put up with us, okay? Hey, thank you for having me. Love what you guys do. and, and um, Keep it going, man. Go Dodgers. All right, Matt. Appreciate it, man. Go Dodgers. We believe in the Dodgers. Do you guys tune in next time to the Dodger Dudes with Josh Luke and Brett Tomko? Thanks, Brett. Yep. We'll see you, Josh. Thanks for tuning in to the Dodger Dudes show with the former Dodger pitcher Brett Tomko and Josh the Duker Luke. Whether you're at the stadium, on your couch, or at work, don't forget to interact with the hosts on social media at The Dodger Dudes on Twitter and Facebook. That's The Dodger Dudes on both Twitter and Facebook. Check out other SoCal sports podcasts at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. Now go vote on our Twitter and Facebook fan poll and tune in again soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.